Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we welcome you to tonight's podcast, Draft 412, brought to you by Eaton Park. You know what, guys? When you're in the mood for baked goods, pies, strawberry pies. Do you ever have their strawberry pie? Very, very month of May, baby. Yeah. Happy birthday. I love it, man. May. Oh, man. Man, there is nothing better than that strawberry pie. Or my personal favorite, the grilled chicken salad. Is anything more Pittsburgh? Then uh, a grilled chicken salad or grilled steak salad with French fries on top of it and an egg. Signature. Who came up with the egg? It was perfect. Signature. <laughs> oh, so I'm, I'm pumped to be uh, uh, have them sponsoring us tonight. Um, and I'm going to be thinking about strawberry pie all night. So if I kind of wig out a little bit. <laughs> you're, for, you're forgiven. All right. Um, we're going to start off tonight. A little bit of sad news. Um, Stan Saverin uh, passed away yesterday. Um, Stan, he's an icon. I mean, in the 70s, I know you guys weren't weren't around at that point. But let me tell you, it's when sports talk was at its zenith. You had him, you had Myron Cope, you had Bill Hillgrove, and you had John Steigerwald. John Steigerwald, who who was the... uh, uh, the the house rocker at the time he was he was the controversial one, but the other three just it, it was I'm not saying Steigerwall wasn't a smart smart sports talk, but those other guys they knew their stuff they they would argue things, but it was a well thought out argument. Um, you would learn and and you would um, you would be smart a smarter sports fan for having listened to him at the end. Very entertaining to boot, but Stan lasted all these years. Um, probably uh, his, his show on KBL, um, Sportsbeat, I mean, was one of the greatest uh, uh, sports talk shows ever. It, it, it had the greatest ratings of any sports talk show and, and was idiotic that uh, it was canceled um, just because the, uh, the people who owned the station didn't want the, the show anymore. Um, but he, he and Guy were, were tremendous. Anybody who was anybody was on that show. And uh, let me tell you, there was, when you talk the godfather of sports, especially in, in, in this day's sports talk where it's all about the gotcha, it's all about irritating fans rather than talking smart sports, um, Stan remained the guy who would talk uh, smart sports. He would be the guy 
who would take the calls and not abuse the callers. I mean, when you called in, you you felt respected, whether you had insane thoughts or not, Stan would make you feel uh, respected. And I'll tell you what, he was a genuinely great guy. I, I've had a lot of great thrills in my in my career, but I got to say right up there, if not the greatest, one of the greatest was when I got an email from his show asking me to be on. I mean, man, I was going to be on Stan Saverin's show. I mean, just to th- I'm getting goosebumps remembering that time. Um, and it was it was our uh, Chris Fletcher in my book, uh, Steel City 500, uh, the 500 greatest athletes in Pittsburgh history. And he not only had us on and 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 promoted the the thing, but he went he he loved it so much. He talked about the book for the next five days um, on the show. And he was always so supportive of the projects after that. And and even though I had been on it several times, it was always to me the greatest honor you could have is to be on Stan's show. Um, he, he was, you know, he, he's going to be missed. No ifs, ands, or buts. Worked until he loved it so much. He worked until the end. He was he was on uh, Mark Madden's show not more than than a week or two earlier. Um, but he's on that Mount Rushmore uh, of uh, Pittsburgh media. And, um, you know, I'd say probably Myron would be the only one who might tip him out as far as uh, greatest uh, uh, talk show folks. And, and they both had something in common. They were great human beings. And when you talk about people, when you aspire to, to do something in your life, if somebody can say about you, you made people better and you were a great human being, that's the ultimate compliment. And that one I can truly give Stan Saverin. Um, I will miss him personally. And, and I know there's generations of, of folks out there that will uh, certainly miss him too. So well um, said, David, well said. Yeah, Dave, great, great job on that. Now I want to add that I did, I got to meet Stan Saverin one time. Um, I got to meet, um, I meet Bo Hogrove all the time for the pick games and, um, they're both when you when you sit down and talk to them, you just it's just, it's a whole different world talking to somebody. It's like you're talking to somebody that just like I, I interviewed Bill Hogrove and just his knowledge of of pit sports and that and it was just just phenomenal. I got to meet um, Stan Saverin at a, at a Steeler game one time. It was just a, a passing by kind of thing, but he 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 talked. He didn't just say hi, hey, what's up, and walk away. And it was, he was a great guy as well. I wish I would have gotten to talk to him more. Um, but um, that was well said, Dave. I mean, growing up, Stan, I loved the show. I mean, that's besides watching the games, that was the that was the thing I enjoyed the most about Pittsburgh sports was was that show. Oh, it was it was incredible. I mean, just the the people people. It was said that athletes and coaches and front office personnel um, would do anything to be on it. I mean, it was and it was entertaining to boot. I mean. You know, as I said, you just felt smarter listening to him. That's and same with Hillgrove, as you mentioned him. That's I get irritated at Facebook. You get the so-called yin yangs. Bill Hillgrove needs to retire. Bill Hill. Why? Bill Hillgrove still entertains me. Entertains me now. Um, does he miss a couple of things? Sure, but you know what? We all we all do. But he's still entertaining, and I still love uh, hearing his commentary. He he knows Pittsburgh sports like nobody else. Um, and the same was same with Stan. Um, you know, just, it, it's a big hole. It's a big hole. And I'm not sure there's anybody there who can fill it. So, um, 
But one thing he did love, he, he loved his Penguins. And tonight, uh, tonight we're going to talk some Penguin hockey. Um, and what we do here at uh, Draft 412 is uh, we know the drafts of the Pirates, of the Penguins, of the Steelers, uh, like nobody's business. And that's, that's what we pride ourselves on. And uh, Joe, Joe at Draft 412. Um, we got a number 14 pick coming up, which is our highest pick in a, in a while. Um, what do you think the Penguins are going to do? Well, you know, there's, uh, there's been options, I, I think, you know, the, in the past where you, you draft late in the draft. There's very few, you know, picks that are available at that time uh, that are going to impact your, your team. And I think sitting at 14, they're just on that cusp, right? If they were in the top eight, top six i think there are guys there that can play and make an impact with crosby malkin and latang the, the core of the championship teams anybody else is going to be projects down the road guys you'll be excited about but guys that you're not going to expect to be in the pros this year or perhaps even next year um and i don't think that there's a need for them to trade up they don't have enough draft capital to trade up i don't think they have you know, the, the players to move to make a hockey trade uh, to trade up. And I, I think they're going to end up taking the best player available. And in this draft, which is really draft heavy uh, or very, very prospect heavy, one that, you know, the, any of the top five or six guys would be the number one pick in any other year. Uh, you know, I think that you'll you'll see that, um, you know, teams are clamoring and, and it would be hard to trade up. They'd have to give up way too much to move up. Um, so I think that they stay where they are. Maybe they trade back, you know, and pick up some draft capital in the second and third round, which they're, they've been lacking, you know, and add to the, to the minors. But I, I really think they stay put and end up, you know, picking the best player that's on the board, which I know we'll get into in a second, but, you know, ultimately I, I think that's their strategy going in. And, you know, I, I think that's probably the right move for them. Now, JT, um, there, there are several, um, uh, media guys out there who were uh, pushing to trade this pick completely um, to try to add more Stanley Cup capable um, personnel at this point. Is that a mistake or would you uh, tend to agree with that? Nah, it's de it's definitely a mistake unless the guy they're giving you is, is someone you just can't give up on. You can't, you can't not pass on, but I mean, they gotta, they gotta start building this, uh, this cupboard, this cupboard is empty. They got to start building these minor leagues up, man. They have nothing. Um, Samuel Pullen, um, and that's they basically they, they don't really got much. They got the defenseman they drafted last year too, um, and and they basically they basically um, don't have much in the, in the cupboard. They got to start. They got to start um, drafting, drafting and and obtaining young players. They have to or just. You're, you're taking you're taking too much of a risk. If this team doesn't win a Stanley Cup here in the next year or two, they're they, they got nothing to look back at. They're not got nothing to build with. They have to they got to start building. Whether it's keeping Gensel and building through Gensel, um, once Crosby and Malkin and Latang are gone, or it's you got to draft. You got to draft well. I mean, these are these are big draft picks for the Penguins right now. Uh, just to trade them for a player, I, I really don't think the Penguins are one player away. I, I really don't. Agree. Now, give me give me two potential names out there who you think could be that that number fourteen pick that would uh, would get Penguin fans excited. 
Is that to me or is that to, to JT? Me? Okay, on deck. Oh, okay, well, I know Joe. Joe is going to be given a, a bunch of left wingers. I think I think they do got to take a winger in this draft. Um, I think if you are going to build a young, start building young, and getting guys in here that will um, help the team now while building, you got to get some wingers for Crosby and Malkin. So, um. I know we've come up with a couple of lists. The one winger that I really like that could be there at 14 is Matthew Wood. Um, he's a big, big, tall winger from UConn. He's a, he's a college player. Um, I'm, I'm honestly looking at the films of him. I think outside the top five or six who are, like Joe already mentioned, are future superstars in this league or should be future superstars. I think Matthew Wood has a ton of uh, upside, high ceiling. Um, he could be there at 14, looking at the mocks. Um, I see him going anywhere from 12 to like 16, 17 range. Um, he's a big winger, uh, could score. He's a sniper kind of winger, could score, be a great uh, addition to Malkin or Crosby. He's already playing in the collegiate level. Um, I don't think he'll be too far down the road. He could still be playing with them. Um, I like Nate Danielson, the center, too. I did a, a report on him last week. Um, this kid plays both he plays 300 feet I mean, he plays the whole ice he plays defense as well as anybody coming out he's a center and he's starting to up his offensive ability um he'd be a nice third line a third third center to have with, with these guys as you build and try to get younger guys um i added a couple of defensemen too because as joe said this is really a high prospect draft but the defensemen are really they're really not that not that many defensemen in this draft that stand out like normal drafts usually have two or three guys in that top, you know, six, seven range. There's really not this year. Um, there's a couple guys that could go in the top 10, but I've seen them in mock drafts sliding too. And one of them is Axel Sandin uh, Palika. Um, he's a, he's a smaller defenseman that can move the puck really well. Almost like a, uh, it almost reminds you of sort of like a Chris Letang, but he's a little bit more, I think, uh, safer on a defensive end. Um, he, he's been playing in a higher Swedish league and, and putting up numbers there. So if he would drop to 14, I'd have no issue with the Penguins taking him. And the number one defenseman in the draft, who isn't really offensive, but he's defensive, is uh, David Reinbacher. Um, he's a good skating defenseman. He's more on the defensive side where he'll, he'll uh, be a plus-minus kind of guy. But um, he's a guy that moves the puck out of his zone really well and starts to, you know, starts the offense back up for you, which the Penguins, uh, they desperately need that to get the puck out of the zone as quickly as possible. And the one guy, my wish list guy that won't be there, he's probably going to go around seven or eight, but you never know in drafts. And I just did a, I just looked at film him all day yesterday and I fell in love with this kid is Oliver Moore um, from the U S national develop team. This kid is so fast watching film him. Um, it reminds you of Connor McDavid in an NHL game, watching a puck go in the corner and watch how he outskates people to the puck and he takes the puck over. He's a center. Um, he's probably going to go, and I hate to say this, he's probably going to go number seven to Philly. It's going to drive me insane when that pick is made. But um, that's a guy that if he somehow sneaks through and they took Oliver Moore, I would be uh, ecstatic. Cool. Now, Joe, uh, I'm going to ask you the same thing and then, is there a potential um, uh, Michelle Briere in this in this group that can uh, not only be a good selection at fourteen, but can hopefully pick this team to another level? Well, I think there's there's a few guys. I mean, 
I have I do have to comment on something that JT said. I mean, Oliver Moore, he said Connor McDavid. I I see Pavel Bure, you know, it just fast, good with the puck. He outskates and outplays his teammates right now. The problem that they have uh, with him is that he's playing on the second line for the national team, and the rest of the guys can't. Like, so he's he's already ahead of them, you know. And you you always hear that you have to skate to where the puck is going to be. The Wayne Gretzky. Uh, analogy where it's like you got to be there. Well, that guy will be there. You don't have to worry about it. You will never outpass him. He's that fast. Uh, but I do agree with JT. I think that his his uh, abilities have really kind of pushed him up into the top 10. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe he does slide. That one would be hard to pass up. But um, if I were to pick two that I think may be in range for the Penguins, one's a name everyone's going to recognize. The other is one that uh, I doubt anybody will. Uh, unless you're, you know, pluggers like JT and I are on the on the hockey draft stuff is Gabriel Perot, um, who's the son of Yannick Perot, who's a you know, longtime NHLer, uh, is in Pittsburgh Penguin terms. He's the next Brian Rust. You know, he's 5'11". He's a buck 65. He plays wing. Uh, he, this guy's a great puck handler. He has NHL blood in his veins. He's nifty on his skates. He's got strong vision for playmaking and he'll shoot from anywhere, you know, on, on the ice uh, in that respect. Kind of reminds you of like a Mark Recchi in that case, like the guy will be shooting behind the net in the corner uh, if he could to get it to the net. But not only is Perot gifted, uh, but he's also kind of a, a grinder, something that, you know, in the Brian Rust mold, you, know, you could see him go into the corners and it comes out. Uh, with the puck. This is a guy that could play on your second power play. This is a guy that can be one of your top line penalty killers. He's a guy that's going to win a lot of faceoffs. He doesn't mind playing a 200 foot game. You'll see him forecheck and backcheck and, you know, be that winger for a Crosby style player or a Malkin style player that will cover the defensive game uh, while they're playing ahead. But if you need him, he's got the speed to get down there and make a play, you know, and I think that he will likely be available for the Penguins. And I, I, you know, there's part of me that hopes that He's their choice, but, you know, not cheering for any single guy. There is one guy that I hope slips. Now, if you would have asked me this a couple of weeks ago, Edouard Soleil would not have been in this conversation because or, – or, or rather, he would be in this conversation because I think he could survive to 14. Over the last month or so, his stock has risen uh, beyond where he is. He's another left winger. Now, he's the bigger size. He's like the 6'1", 6'2 guy. Still needs to add some playing weight. He's, he weighed in, I think, at the combine at like a buck seventy or whatever it was. You know, but this is a future top six winger. Um, he's got speed. He's got skill. He's got power um, and power play potential. He's a guy that will be able to use a pure goal scorer. Um, and I think uh, that if he slides through, uh, you could see another Mark Shifley. Like that's the kind of guy this is. Um, maybe a poor man's Mark Shifley. But if he can get to 14, I think the Penguins would be foolish to pass up on him. I really think that, um, you know, he might be somebody that ends up going eight, 10, you know, right before them. Uh, and they, they miss the boat on him, but you know, these things, especially, you know, seven, 18 year old kids that they're all lottery picks, you know, right now. And, you know, it's just, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But if you're asking me for two, I'd say those two would be the ones on my watch list, hoping the Soleil slides. And if not, Perot should still be there for them. And, and by, the way, by the way, I'm going to apologize. Owen Pickering is the defenseman for the Penguins. I was, I, I went, uh, my mind went blank when we were going over to prospects. But yeah, Samuel Pullen and uh, Pickering are basically the two big, the big prospects that we really got in the uh, 
right in our uh, cupboard right now. So we definitely need this draft pick. And, and Joe said something earlier that makes sense. 14 is a unique pick because in, in draft-wise, if a guy does start to slide out of that top 10, I mean, that's when the Penguins, if they really do have their eyes set on, like like maybe the, maybe it is like Pro or, or, or Matthew Wood or something, they just have a guy in their mind they want to get. Once he hits that 10 spot, um, anything could happen at that point. The thing is, though, we don't really have a second round pick. We don't have a lot of we don't really have a lot of draft capital um, to make a move to even move up a three or four picks. And you don't see many moves like that in hockey, like you do in the NFL, where you move, move up two or three picks and and trade down and stuff. You see it every once in a while, but not not as religiously as you do in an NFL draft. Right. Um, this this could be a little off Penguin, but I I thought it was uh, very interesting. Um, if you've ever had the chance to see junior hockey in Youngstown and, and Johnstown, it's it's a pretty entertaining um, level, not the level of the Canadian leagues. But Jacob Fowler, uh, Emmett has listed as a number three goalie, said he could possibly go in the third round. To have somebody from that league pick that highly, what what do you think that can do for a team like Youngstown who uh, uh, just actually uh, won their league championship? Um as far as being able to attract um, players, hey, we can you come to our team, we can get you drafted um, as high as third. Um, do you think that can have a great effect on on the team, or is this just a, a fluky kind of thing? I mean, definitely could take a it could have a big a big effect on um, an organization or a league. I mean, uh, if guys start to uh, produce from from a smaller league like that, then I think. Um, there's so much talent out there nowadays, and I'm a firm believer that um, with all these different AAUs and travel teams and everything that's going on for these young kids, I think the talent level is just through the roof now. With with I'm talking like number the numbers of kids in each sport now, or um, the kids that don't make it nowadays, put it this way, are a lot better than the kids that didn't make it back when we were young. I mean, there's just kids. Parents are paying thousands of dollars a year now. These kids are getting top of the line tr uh, trainings and that. And if a kid, if a goalie from Youngstown comes out and gets drafted in the second or third round, and I actually, I, I have a, a thing coming up on him next week. I'm writing about him. So um, he, he's pretty high on the list that I saw too uh, for the goalie. So um, I think it'd be huge for the league. And I think it's, it's good for hockey. I mean, the more, more organizations and leagues, these kids come out of, it's only going to, only going to grow the game. Uh, let me, speak to that a, a little bit um you know honestly I, I think it's a great thing dave um it's a first of all let me speak to fowler and then i'll get back to what it means for western pennsylvania hockey i mean fowler is one of these guys that's sneaky good right and emmett just nailed a guy that i think that you know folks around here would want to cheer for he's you know six two two oh five catches left-handed the guy went 11 4 0 and 1 last year was uhs or us hockey leagues you know, goaltender of the year. Um, and, you know, just like the NFL has devalued drafting running backs in round one, the NHL has devalued drafting goaltenders and, and for a, a variety of reasons, right? The last real run of first round chosen goaltenders, you know, goes, you'd have to almost date back 10 years, you know, where people were paying attention. To that. So those are good second and third round picks. Those guys are really going to add to the meteor team. And the Penguins have nobody in the minors. They need a guy like Fowler. Now, whether it's Fowler or not, we'll, we'll wait and see. But the one thing I would, I would add to that is, you know, JT's right. If you look at what in the last 10 years, you know, Umberger, 
uh, Miller, most recently Cooley. These are guys, and Cooley went, what, third overall last year? Yeah, These are all local guys that have come up through these developmental systems that weren't here before Mario, that weren't here in the capacity they are after, you know, a Crosby. Uh, and it's really become a, you know, a hotbed of that kind of hockey. And so even if you go just a trip, you know, an hour and 45 minutes north to the Erie Otters where Connor McDavid used to play, or you go a couple of hours east to Penn State that has a D1 hockey team, or you see the reinstatement uh, of the D1 hockey team at, at Robert Morris, or even the talk about Pitt in the ACC and some things that they're doing about, you know, them using PPG paints as, as a place and taking their club um, to the next level. It's because there's enough talent in this region where you can be able to fill those teams. Uh, and I think that seeing a team, you know, whether it's a team in Rostraver, whether it's a team in Johnstown, whether it's a team somewhere else, make an impact by getting one of their guys in the league's draft on day one, day two, like that, that kind of stuff, you know, I think is, is it will only continue uh, to prop it up. And, uh, you know, and we've just seen that kind of activity the last few years where somebody and, you know, one, it'll grow from one person to draft to two people to three people as they continue to um, you know foster the kind of hockey talent um, that we weren't able to in the past. When I was growing up, I got lucky. You know, I had a hockey coach who had four sons. Um, and instead of me being a third string middle linebacker, I was a first string, you know, left defenseman. Uh, because I could skate, you know, and we didn't have ice time. And my mom would take me, you know, for ice time at midnight on school nights and stuff because we didn't have rinks uh, for that. Now there's a you, you trip over a rink every time you go anywhere and you could find any of these any of these teams all yeah. over the place. And so I think that having that will just continue that streak of of the hockey uh, brass taking a look at Western Pennsylvania everywhere and not at scanning coming here and looking at it. And I think that'll continue to make an impact. If I was going to tell you, I was going to tell a little joke there. If I had asked you guys in 1980, we were all around in 1980 in this area, that there w at one point will be more ice skating rinks than Eaton Park. She would have laughed at me and said, there's no way. And I would say Eaton Parks are way less than the uh, skating rinks now, nowadays. And back in back in 1980, you could find the Eaton Park every two miles. And Well, uh, let, let me put it this way. If I skate, I'm going to be tired and cranky. If I go to Eaton Park, <laughs> I'm going to have strawberry pie and be in my glory. So they can have more rinks. I'm still taking Eaton Park. So, I got you there. No well problem. said. Well said. <laughs> but and we're we'll end we'll end up talking about goalies. We got uh, Tristan Jari as a as a free agent. Um, we got Cal Dubas at the helm right now. Is he pretty much gone? Is there any? Any thought or hope that uh, um, Tristan will be back? We'll start with you, uh, Draft Joe. Yeah, so, you know, Jari's an interesting case study, right? Here's a guy that's a, an all-pro when he plays, but he's injury-prone. And you, you, the the old adage that your best ability is availability um, is a question mark. And then with this team, with a, with a window that's closing or has closed, they can't wait around to see if Tristan Jari has a chronic condition can't wait around to see when his next injury is going to be there. And the goalie market for free agents is, you know, really not that deep this year. So a guy like Tristan will likely demand more on the free market than perhaps he's worth. And there might be a team that rolls the dice and the Penguins just don't have the money to compete with that. However, JT used the, uh, the, the analogy that the cupboard is bare and it is really bare at goalie. 
right? So if they're deciding not to make a move, they're going to have to go out and get another goalie somewhere else. Now, I know everybody, and we, JT and I just talked about this last week at Pittsburgh Sports Bar at the, you know, you know, we were asked the same question uh, by, you know, folks in the crowd. And, you know, the real answer is, is I know everyone around here wants to see Johnny Whitehall come back. Everybody would love to see John Gibson get traded um, and come back and, and finish his career as a Pittsburgh Penguin. And, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen because they're going to ask for way too much. Uh, but there are other options, too, like Connor Hellebuck. I know Winnipeg uh, has been out and about shopping him, and he still has a year of an affordable contract, one that you would be paying Jari. And here's a guy that's as good, if not better than Jari, who's, you know, has more experience and can win in, in the uh, the playoffs available. And then you'll have some time to work on a contract for him long term. Um, and I think those are one and one a options, but those are also high rent options, right? They may have to, to, to take a look at it in a different direction. And I know people are going to roll their eyes when I say Carter Hart, or they're going to you know, roll their eyes when you could throw out any names of folks that are supposedly on the market right now, you know, but the Penguins, they have to find somebody that's affordable. They'll likely have to move talent in order to get uh, a, a Hellebuck, a Carter, or a Gibson. This isn't just give me your first round. This is give me your, your first round and a hockey player. Uh, and that's going to have to be somebody that we don't want to part with. Um, so I think that's going to be a tough decision that Kyle Dubas is going to have to make. But I think if you're pressing me for an answer to that question, I think Jari's gone. I think we'll have a new starting goaltender in here, um, you know, for next season. And, you know, that name is you know, anybody's, anybody's guess at this point. Now, JT, I if I put if I put, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put one to your head here. If I put an Eaton Park steak sandwich on the line, <laughs> who is gonna be the starting goaltender as a Pittsburgh Penguin next year? I'm going Connor Hellebuck. I, I do. I, I think, I think Dubis is the kind of guy that's gonna make. He, he wants a guy. He, he wants his guy. He wants a guy that he's not gonna come in and take a and have a goalie that, like he said before, injury prone and. We haven't won with them, you know. We've we've we haven't gotten anywhere with them. I mean, I'm not saying it's his fault, but we haven't gotten anywhere with them. I think Dubas is going to come in here and he's going to get his own. He's going to do his own thing, sort of like what what Sherrington did with the Pirates. Just come in, do his own thing, build the team the way he wants it. He's not going to. He has no ties to any of these players, and um, Johnny Gibson might actually um, come over a little cheaper now because he made them statements in Anaheim that he wants out now. Um, like he wants out. Like he ain't playing there. He basically told Anaheim's media that he's, he's, he's he wants he wants out of Anaheim. But I, I still think they're going to ask for the world at the beginning. Um, I, I really don't want Gibson. He almost had a four goals against. I know Anaheim was bad last year, but he almost had a four a four point goals against a high three goal, goals against, which is it's bad no matter what's in front of you. Um, I'd say Connor Hollebuck, or it's going to be a veteran. It's going to be a veteran that that uh, that Dubis believes in. Um, uh, I mean, you, you, we all know who was in Toronto last year, don't we? I don't think he's coming with Dubis. So uh, Matt Murray was a backup in Toronto. We don't want to we don't want to start the uh, Matt Murray uh, back to Pittsburgh thing. But I, I I would say if I had to put money on it, if I had to make a pick, I would say Connor Hollebuck. I think Dubis is the kind of guy if there starts becoming like this little. Um, I think Dubas is the kind of guy that will get his his uh, nose in the middle of some of these bigger free agents, um, try to figure out a way to bring them in. Well, let's say it's safe to say there will be no Bunny LaRock uh, moving to Pittsburgh next year. Um, <laughs> one of the great hockey names of all time. 
So uh, two things before we go. Uh, as the A's have decided, the fans have decided to reverse the boycott and go to the games. Uh, the uh, Nevada State Congress, who was threatening not to pass their $380 million bill, has in fact passed their $380 million bill. So the A's are, are now officially gone to Las Vegas. And do you, have you guys ever watched Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yes, oh, I have. One of my favorite shows. It's one of the great shows of all time. It now has a Monopoly game. Chris Fletcher <laughs> has just sent me a link to it. Um, so, you know, if you love uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I can only imagine what the uh, the Monopoly game is is about. So, um, but anyways, we got uh, Thursday the 22nd. Um, we'll be at Caliente's in Mount Lebanon um, from 7 to 9, eating uh, officially the world champion pizza. Um, as they've won twice, if I'm not mistaken, the world championship of pizza. So, um, you get to listen to some good, uh, good, uh, draft talk, good Pittsburgh talk and, um, and eat the world championship pizza. By so, the way, today, I just, I just shared it before we came on as Caliente's just, um, announced that they have their own brewing, uh, Doughboy brewing, uh, they have their own, they're brewing their own beers now as well. Like some of their wow. own beers are going to be out. So they're. This this guy doesn't stop, man. He's he's got pizzas. He's got Doritos pizza. He's got different beers. I mean, you come on out. There's there's something you could try that you haven't had before. I can guarantee you that. So well, come hopefully, on out and have a good. Hopefully, time. he has a good oatmeal stout. My favorite. <laughs> so, I could drink one of them and I'm falling asleep. <laughs> that's the negative to it. The negative. But anyways, gentlemen, another uh, fun show. Enjoyed it much, and um, we will see you at Caliente's next Thursday. You got it, David. Looking forward to it. All Thank right. You. Have a good Have night, guys. You Wrong. got it.